Okay, I want to welcome you all to our Westminster Confession of Faith study. If it's your first time here, please turn to the person next to you and ask, where can I find a copy of the Westminster Confession of Faith? And get that from them. Um, anyone remember where we are? 8.5. 8.5. Are you sure? Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> uh, so, we are... On 8.5, still on chapter 8, we are reading, of course, we're reading the uh, 8th chapter on the Christ Mediator. So let me quickly remind you of 8.4. In 8.4, we talked about Christ, um, obviously, <laughs> but uh, specifically it mentions that the office, he did so, like, willingly, right? That he undertook the office uh, that he fulfilled, um, and he did so willingly, and he fulfilled it perfectly. And we talked about the need for suffering, um, that he rose from the grave, and there's an importance and a necessity in that. And then his ascension, we discussed his ascension, which is something, of course, that we, at times, um, don't maybe discuss enough. And then we discuss the return. So his life, his death, so his coming, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then his ultimate coming or return again, right? So we discussed all of those elements. Quite important. Okay, so we're on 8.5 now. We're going to discuss it together. Uh, who would like to read 8.5 for us today? 8.5. Any volunteers to read 8.5 for us? Uh, I'll read it. Okay, thank you. 8.5. Yes. The Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he through the eternal spirit once offered up unto God, hath fully satisfied the justice of his Father, and purchased not only reconciliation, but an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven for all those whom the Father had given unto him. Amen. Absolutely. That's a wonderful... <laughs> <laughs> it's not God's word. It is not God's word, but it is worth an amen because it's, it's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful statement, I think, that is uh, being taught to us. Um, I don't know about you, but 8.5 is... Uh, I don't know, to me, it's always, uh, it's always stood out in this chapter. Uh, upon reading it, I'm just reminded of what, uh, just such a beautiful truth. We're going to discuss this together. Again, I want to ask you to um, utilize the scripture proofs in terms of in, uh, in the discussion that you have on this uh, particular paragraph. I'll give you a few minutes uh, to discuss it in, in your groups. I know your groups are a bit larger than usual, so take turns. If there's someone dominating your group discussion, just be like, Max said not to dominate the conversation, please. Um, and just be like, take turns. Take turns in sharing. I think it's important that you inquire and think through things, uh, discuss things as a group, right? Um, and come to some, like, you know, try to draw out some really good questions and thoughts. Um, and hopefully we can uh, share those things right after. Okay, so 8.5, I'll leave it to you. I don't think you'll need, like, an intense, like, amount of time to do this, but um, I certainly think it's beneficial for you to um, take, uh, take a really good look at what this paragraph is, uh, is stating for us today, okay? So with that said, allow me to pray, and then I'll leave it to your groups. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, for by your grace, we're able to gather together 
and uh, discuss things of great importance to our faith at times. I think our human instinct of mind uh, tends to find uh, conversations like these mundane, uh, but rather would we see the beauty and um, really see um, what is so important for us to understand uh, and may we treasure it. Um, please be with us in our conversation. Um, I hope that it is uh, uh, really fruitful and that it would be beneficial to each of us as we share thoughts and share questions and, and discuss together matters of our faith. Um, we thank you for this time. It's very precious to us. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Okay, with that said, I'll give you some time to discuss together and then we'll reconvene. To me, right? Okay, everybody, we're going to reconvene. to like spread those sheep out. It's to bring the sheep to himself. Like he's the shepherd, right? Okay, we're going to reconvene to begin our discussion. To himself, unto himself. And restoring it to what it was before. Okay, finish your thoughts, finish your yeah. thoughts, finish your thoughts. Okay, everybody, so let's reconvene to discuss the content of 8.5 today. I mean, I think it's the initial reading of the paragraph wouldn't conjure too much question or thought, right? I think, like, when I first read it, I didn't really think, um, I don't know, there would be too many discussion points, but perhaps you came across some questions that do, sh I guess, maybe go deeper uh, into some of the statements that are made in this paragraph. So who would like to begin? I I'd love to hear sort of, like, um, you don't need to necessarily dictate like one person to share for your table, but even if you just had like a few people just share a thought or two or questions that you might that might have come up at your table that would be profitable for all of us to discuss. Um, just kind of go in random order here. We'll start with the middle table. It's always a it's a bit of a curveball, right? Yeah. <laughs> we will cast lots. Uh, middle table. What did you What did you discuss? What were some questions? What were some thoughts? Um, anything that came up? <coughs> uh, like, I guess our first question was. Uh, mm -hmm. One second. One second. Uh, journal story. Right. I think that was our last question. <laughs> first question was. Ooh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about the part of five where it references how we're not only reconciled or like not only reconciliation but an everlasting inheritance uh -huh. so we're kind of linking where, where I asked the question where what about like Adam and Eve like before the fall in that sense like we're because this seems like it implied that through Christ that this was given the inheritance of the kingdom was given to us but was that the same for Adam and Eve or is that was that some different thing but through like consensus and like conversation, um, what was it? Adam and Eve were kind of on like a probationary period of time where God gave them the conditions or like a covenant in the sense that if they were to eat the fruit, they die, or if they, they you know, otherwise have eternal life. Yep. Because they, because they ended up choosing death, that kind of ended that in a way. Like, and then now Jesus came to reap refulfill that kind of uh, I'm butchering this so bad but <laughs> it came back he came back to like reestablish that I don't uh -huh. know or like uh -huh. kind of reconcile us reconcile us that's it mm. yeah. not back to where Adam and Eve was because that wasn't heaven right that wasn't it, but it kind of was though because 
heaven is where the presence of God is. And the presence of God was in the Garden of Eden before sin. So you're saying that we're in heaven? In a sense, because heaven is where... So, like, when Jesus comes, says, like, the kingdom of God, or heaven is at hand, right? And so... <laughs> Richard, what do you think? Settle this. I'm here to learn. No, let's exercise our brains a bit, you know? Like, I... But... Yes. Yeah. yeah, let's not just go to Richard. Let's exercise our brains a bit. I'm here to learn, people. I'm here to learn. <laughs> but no, but okay, anyway. let, let's tackle one question at a time. Right. So, let's start, okay. let's start with David's question. So, your question was... Um, I did not understand the question. So, 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 Adam and Eve in the garden pre-fall. Yes. Did they have, did they have internal inheritance? Did they have eternal inheritance right so it's it says uh uh-huh. in the walk that we receive like internal inheritance after yeah. everlasting inheritance um, yeah the price that she's paid mm-hmm. but that's we were given that after uh, Christ's after death and Christ's death, death and as if yeah i mean so the term eternal pretty much indicates to you that it has to be like a guarantee it doesn't it cannot be lost right if it's eternal um so if you're saying like can one have it and then lose it and then possess it again, uh, I don't think that's how it works. I think the so in so in the Garden of Eden, I think they were right purchased by the blood of Christ um, as an eternal inheritance by Christ, just as any one of us are, right? But in the pre-fall state, it's not like they had already they were already in eternal inheritance that all of a sudden God lost. Because of their, you know, do you get what I'm saying? You're saying it's not that. No, I'm saying like in the eternal, that's why there's a chapter on eternal decrees prior to this chapter, right? Which tells you that before time, before creation, God had a decree for all things. And everything unfolds in accordance with those eternal decrees. There is no, there is no some are saved this way, some are saved that way. You know, Israel's laws were a saving tool for them, but now it's us. And that's why covenant theology is telling you uh, there's just one way. There's just one particular. Okay. So Adam and Eve yeah. are you same as so us. time. It's timeless Christ because of Christ's doing throughout before and after all eternities. Yeah, I mean, if we have to speak on the in the on the terms of like time, because we are like in time, right? But um, like what we're told, right, in in the Confession of Faith, is that in the eternal decrees, which are mysterious to us, there's a mysterious nature to it. Um, that this inher- inheritance would include Adam and Eve. What? I don't get the answer. Right. So the answer is that Adam and Eve was in eternal. They were purchased by Christ's blood, just as you and I were. Hmm. Richard. No, I mean like pre-fall. I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm saying there's no difference. Hmm. Because it's an eternal inheritance. Yeah. Yeah, there is which applies to the whole of creation. Yeah, I get that. So it's not that it. it's not that they had an eternal or everlasting <laughs> no, inheritance. No. They, they were I get that because of yeah. Jesus. That like even Adam and Eve yep. are included in that package. But what he's but I can I just try answering that question? Yeah, sure, try, try. Because like you're right. So there was a time when Jesus didn't die, right? Historically, yeah. Yeah. and so. Okay, first of all, the eternal inheritance is Christ, mm-hmm. is God. Mm-hmm. And to inherit something is to receive after you die. There was a time 
when Adam and Eve, if they just kept that obedience, would not die and just mm -hmm. enjoy perfect communion and unity with God. Mm -hmm. So inheritance is a funny word in that specific time in history, a very brief moment in history, there was nothing to inherit because they already had God with yeah, them. Yeah. Right? And so like Richard? So, yeah, so <laughs> okay. he's, he's, I think he's 90% uh, correct. If, um, if Adam and Eve kept the law of God, Reformed theologians say that they would have eaten from the tree of life. Mm -hmm. right? that was, so they would have achieved a new state. So that was their inheritance, to eat the tree of life and achieve a higher level of being. Right? But they lost that. So what Christ gives us is, as Max said, it's a guaranteed it's not like we're back in Adam's situation where we have to do obedience mm -hmm. and there's a chance that we might fall again and we lose the inheritance, right? Yeah. It's already guaranteed by faith alone. So, yeah, Adam and Eve, the inheritance would have been eternal glory and it probably even a new body, a new level of being. Right. Even though they, there was no death, they couldn't die, but like it would have been even a better state yeah. some way, somehow. But if your question is that Adam and Eve pre-fall because they are in a so-called perfect state and harmonious relationship with God, did they lose it and then god came up with a plan to re like like kind of or fix the situation he so knew they were gonna fall that's yeah. that's exactly what i'm saying so i'm saying that you can't look at it on that timeline you have to look at it as one thing as soon as god says let there be boom everything is going according in accordance with with his plan and his will that makes sense it's not like uh jesus is the backup plan in case plan a fails yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, Anyways, we have one more thing that we have to talk about. Okay, but are you okay with Garden of Eden being heaven or not? <laughs> oh yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> Is yes. it Garden of Heaven? It's not. It's I not, right? I don't think so because um, I mean, I think it was first of all a physical place that God had created and placed. You know, animals like it's earth, like it's it's an earthly place. It's a created matter. It's an earth, but not really, right? I think it's earth. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's an earthly place, and um, whether that's like I mean, we can contemplate the nuances of that in terms of like geography, like where is it on earth, or is it under the ocean? Is it this? Is it that? Right? Like sure, whatever. But I think it was a physical place, right? Um, physical creatures, vegetation. Uh, all the elements of earth are present in the garden, right? Whether it be the sun, the moon, the stars. Everything's there, so it's Earth, right? In essence, and humanity's placed there. It's not like another planet, and then we're like disposed onto planet Earth, right? Um, it, I think it has to be Earth. And then, of course, in Revelation, we find the new heaven and the new Earth. The language of that, right? So, um, I don't the, think the, I don't think it's heaven. But yeah. the new heaven and the new Earth is when it joined. Exactly. <laughs> the time when it was already exactly. Joined. So that yeah. that's why I don't think the Garden of Eden is heaven. What? So what? what? But they were because they have to join. That's, it's that's separate. It's separate places. No, before the fall. Yeah. God was in the Garden of Eden. Well, I mean, he he's everywhere essentially. So, what are your thoughts on verses like? <laughs> in my like, just opinion. In my opinion, like heaven is where the presence of God is, right? Okay. So and you so, would say the presence God, of God is here right now, though. Yeah, mm. like the Spirit is you with us, say, right? Yeah. So have you ever heard like expressions of like you can create like Definitely this is kind of weird but like pockets yeah. of heaven when you like love someone? So it's like so my living room yeah. is heaven. 
Sometimes it can be. Oh, you mean like his presence in a special? Room? Yeah, like the so throne. Like, like you're talking about the throne. He means, like dog. physically, Which right? Which part? Like in a gracious way. Yeah. So, <laughs> where, where I'm getting this, and maybe I'm over like, you know, emphasizing these verses. But when when Jesus physically came down, right, he says the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. Right. Where heaven came down, whatever, however you want to phrase it. So my understanding of my sorry my definition of heaven in my brain is where God dwells. So for a brief time in history, for like thirty years or whatever, there was a time when Jesus was physically here, and like I know you don't like the Bible Project, but when Jesus was loving and healing people, right, forgiving sins and healing people, right. It was referring to him like creating pockets of heaven, a glimpse of heaven because, well, he is He's God. saying that's what heaven's going to be like. Yeah, there yeah is... but if he came down though, like he's physically here though. <laughs> he, well, he was physically here. I don't know. So are you arguing now that this is heaven? Yeah. No, no, I'm saying heaven is where God dwells. But you're saying that God, God dwells, dwells here. here. So you just spent the last five minutes convincing us. No, we made it, guys. We made it. You just spent five minutes convincing us that God dwells here. Like in physical, like when he was here? I still Physically? Would you say God is not here? In his omnipresence? Better be here. I've been praying, bro. I've been praying. Here's a really tricky question then. Is God not in hell? Like the presence of God. If he's omnipresent. His presence is Wait, so wait, I have a question then. So if Wait, I need to know the answer. Was there a time? <laughs> can we can we um wrap up first and then we'll yeah, go ahead, talk sorry. to you? Yeah. Okay, so we'll just, yeah. Just two points. Um some contents what we talked about is Christ by his Perfect obedience and uh, sacrifice of himself fully satisfy God. Um, and it says at the end, for all those whom the Father hath given unto him. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like this is talking about whom he kind of, you know, uh, predestined. Mm-hmm. Which from a human perspective, we talked about this already. Human perspective, it is unfair, but then like, why would God save us at all, right? Mm-hmm. So talked about that and uh, yeah it's it's a satisfaction was um, that ultimately Jesus Christ uh, made the satisfaction or redeemed us uh, back to God that's what we talked about okay did you have a question or no, no. oh, oh <laughs> we have one more question right okay no, was- the last one through the spirit. Christian, you wanna share that? You brought up a good point. <laughs> oh. Okay. Thank I feel like we're dwelling here quite a long time, yeah. but uh, it's okay, this is where God is, so <laughs> <laughs> this table is a glimpse of heaven. I don't know about this one. <laughs> this is a higher heaven right here. <laughs> through like the language of like through the spirit yes we noticed the the triune um like to god the father Mm -hmm. lord jesus through the spirit and we were trying to parse through that and Mm -hmm. remind ourselves like of their role and why it's worded for us in that way right like how it's yes and then uh 
But Sasha actually had a good point as well okay. um, about like, and Jesse bringing up the word about like, like purchased that language being used, yeah, and the price being perfect obedience. Mm. Um, you know, Hyunhee was concluding for us earlier that like, um, <laughs> yeah, Hyunhee was concluding for us earlier that like he had to. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I conclude something. <laughs> That's where you lost your train of thought. Um, yeah. <laughs> like Hyunhee made a point. <laughs> like, justice, in like human perspective, can be skewed. Like the very definition of yeah. what justice is. Yeah. But based on this, like justice does lie in perfect obedience. Yes. So when people might think like, oh, like it's just for everyone to go to heaven. In fact, it is not because it would be unjust. So the only just thing is. For someone to purchase this reconciliation right. for us. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's yes. a good thought. Yeah, I love your smile. Well, I would say, I would <laughs> say the just thing that God should do is send us to hell. That's what she's saying. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she's saying from the yeah. human, yeah. from the yeah. human oh, perspective, right. we would say, yeah. if you're a loving, good God, yeah. you should always send all people to heaven, is like yeah. our thought, because yeah. he's a good God, right? But um, what we fail to realize that in goodness is also justice and righteousness and holiness, and that dictates that we ought to go to hell because of that. <coughs> yeah. So we, we ha I, I had another question just on the topic of the eternal spirit. Sure. Um, when Jesus descended to hell, where did the Holy Spirit go? I think no, once no. <laughs> no, he didn't descend to hell. Yeah, the descended into hell phrasing is uh, quite, com it has been a source of confusion for many, uh, but if you look at commentaries on that statement, especially in, the, in its introduction into the Apostles' Creed, it's really talking about Christ's experience like that of the one who ought to go to hell on the cross, right? It's not that he actually... Uh, at least I would say most right Richard most reformed theologians would say he did not like actually yeah. descend into hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, don't, I think it's pretty unanimous that most people would say that Wait, so why is it? Sorry, so what why is it said? So the experience of the cross yeah. like taking on the price of sin on your behalf mm -hmm. The one who ought to go to hell like he's taking your place mm -hmm. is like that of the experience of going to hell So okay. when he says father why forsaken me that is the language of one who is going to hell Right, but it's not that he actually went to hell. Yeah. So in the same sense, the spirit of God, the spirit of God cannot go to hell either. I don't think. Well, sorry. Uh, just real quick. What was the main reason? Because at the end he says, "I'll see you in paradise." That was the. It's not necessarily the main reason, but it's yeah. also the scripture doesn't teach us that Christ went into hell, and uh, I think it would be quite problematic if he did. Right. Yeah. Just theologically speaking, like by implication of Christ's nature. Wait, so when you say the language of um, him saying the forsaken part and that being like language of someone who ought to go to hell, yeah, then is, I mean... Or the one who is in hell would really say that, right? <laughs> so then isn't that phrase, so we're saying like that phrase is like, sin would come from someone who is sinful. It's the experience of one who has sinned, right? That there is a forsakenness now because there's a brokenness in that relationship. Oh. Which a person of the Trinity um, would, like a person of the Godhead, would never experience. Yeah, so then him saying that, wouldn't that, like, take away, in a sense, like, from him being, like, fully 
I'm like, never mind. Honestly, whatever. It's unimportant. <laughs> well, your table's next, so let's just go to your table. This is where um, the Garden of Eden's heaven, so let's go over here. You guys ready? We are ready. I'm ready for your heresy. <laughs> I think I'm ready. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But yes, no. Um, anyone can share, yes. <laughs> um, so first we talked about... Uh, like, wait, can I see it again? Um, we talked about... Uh, what it means to, like, reconcile. Um, and then the difference between, like... Christians and non-Christians, and like how that might look different. And basically, just concluded that um, like through like um, God's like common grace, like non-Christians are able to like have that, but like don't understand like the full extent of it. Cause like just like true love. What is that? Have what? Um, like the un ability to like reconcile. Well, the inability to reconcile. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, basically, so, um, Wait, through common grace, they have the inability to reconcile? No, the ability... Okay, because first we were saying that yeah. non-Christians can't, re uh, can't reconcile. Um, because, like, they've never experienced that or don't understand that. Like, just, like, true love. Like, they can't, like, fully, like, have that to okay. others. Okay, okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Same with, like, reconciliation. Because, like, they've never experienced true reconciliation. Or just, like, forgiveness, like, true, or to yeah. truly just love Well, they can reconcile yeah. from Oh, wait, are we talking about reconciliation with God or with... Oh, sorry, with others, with others. With others oh, can, no? this is a very fascinating statement. So that's what we were ta saying at first. <laughs> no, this is and really then... interesting. This is, a, this is a deeper thought. This is a deeper thought than I thought you would get. Okay, but continue. Okay. <laughs> 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 well, You're a little shallow. You're operating on like a hell side level. Yeah, with others. But we're, and then on the Christian point of view, it's like we have that like deeper understanding of like true reconciliation. So we're able to do that with others okay. because we've like experienced experience that kind of thing oh, okay. um and then jordan brought up oh so are you saying non-christians can't reconcile and or like and christians can whatever and then my thought process was like i think that like yeah like i said christians like have that understanding but like we're still flaws we wouldn't be able to like 100 percent like we'll still have like that sinful like nature in that sure process but like um and then jordan was going on to say that non-christians were given like through common grace, like are still able to like reconcile mm -hmm. with like one another. So there are competing thoughts here at this table. Yes, but then I think we concluded on yes to Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> who was the who was the competitor? Was it Mikey? Okay. I, I <laughs> <laughs> okay. What we're saying is like. I get it. How, I get it. I was, yeah. So yeah. I was basically saying like, um, okay, honey, yes, non-Christians can reconcile. On a surface level, okay. Um, I was making a generic state claim that um, if you have not experienced the forgiveness of Christ mm. or the love of Christ, um, you are not. So, in other words, if you're not Christian, yeah, you are able to demonstrate like love on a surface level. But because that level of love has not been experienced by you, yeah. it's impossible to extend that love towards someone else. 
Okay. So I think there's a ceiling there, right? Mm. Um, this is a really fascinating thought. Oh. Mm. This is very fascinating. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> I think part of what is where that reasoning is coming from, I'm thinking Romans 14, 23, whatever does not proceed from faith is sift. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's like we, you know, we we're love gonna, because he first loved us. Like, I'm gonna fully open table this. So, everyone, get in on this. Like, what do you think? Can the non-Christian who has not experienced the forgiveness of God um, exercise forgiveness in its totality to others? <coughs> yes. No. Like true forgiveness. Like truly forgiving. Like someone murders your mom, you can truly forgive them. No. So non-Christians are totally... No, 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 no. I don't think we can even... Yeah, that was like what, like, yeah, that's what we were saying that, um, but the difference between Christians and non-Christians, like Christians, like, I'm not saying that Christians can experience like that truth except because again, like we're still human and we still have like those faults and sin within everything that we do. Yeah. But we have just like a better understanding of this. I think we have a much better understanding. Yeah, okay, so when okay, so like in the example you just gave, like if someone like murders your family or something like that, right? Sure. If you're not Christian and you don't have a relationship with um our, like with Jesus, mm -hmm. Any kind of forgiveness that you demonstrate is out of your own capacity. Okay. Um, any kind of forgiveness, any kind of love, any kind of even grace that you demonstrate onto, like the person that you know murdered your family, yeah. is out of your own capacity. When a Christian forgives, we forgive because he first forgive lest you be forgiven. But right? question: Is it predicated on solely experience? So here, I'm going to change the story now. Okay. Yeah. Um, you murder someone's mom yeah and that person's son was a christian and that person totally forgives you because they're christian now you have experienced the forgiveness of a believer who knows and understands the forgiveness of god and has extended that forgiveness to you hence you have in a sense experienced the forgiveness but i think even, to some degree but that experience wouldn't be like the true extent of forgiveness because it's so you can only reciprocate uh, a degree of forgiveness as much as you have understood and experienced. You cannot, as an unbeliever, possibly uh, give forgiveness at a level higher than that which you've experienced, no. is what you're saying. Tambi. <laughs> so, I'm just thinking out loud. I Please. I was trying to, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are I'm, thinking I'm, out loud. I'm thinking out loud, so it's not very refined. But it's all good. What about common grace? Yes. And, you know, us being created in the image of God, mm. regardless of whether we've been illumined mm. by the Spirit to mm. receive the gospel and to understand the truth of it, um, is it still, like, we talked about, like, those good qualities of God, good attributes of God that are sort of being, like, glory, glorifying Him and pleasing Him because it, it's embedded into us, like just being creative for the function of bearing his image. Yeah. So, you know, when there's like people who have like been incredibly wronged and still extend forgiveness, like we don't attribute that to ourselves, but to, to God. Um, and in his common grace, allowing that to still be demonstrated in a fallen world. Mm -hmm. 
I've been thinking. So out loud. Out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you know, even a non-believer, yeah, they may not contextualize it in terms of Christ's work. Yes. What is being demonstrated is still of God. Like, in that, it's true reconciliation still. Mm -hmm. As we experience it, they just don't know that it's, it's coming from God. No, thank you. Thank you for thinking out loud. That was thank very helpful. Thank you for Any? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think this is a fascinating topic because, I mean, it extends to other things too, right? I mean, the question has been, um, or I guess the thought has been, um, really been part of the, of Christendom for centuries now in terms of common grace and how much ground it covers in terms of um, for the fallen fallen person like how much they're able to uh, experience and and display in terms of that imago Dei the image of God in us um, any other thoughts on this yes can we inject another facet to this I'm thinking about the Lord's Prayer okay uh, that phrase where it says, please forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Yes. Um, how do we fit that into the equation? <clears throat> I don't know if it's necessarily... Um, that's a believer's prayer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it would fit particularly in this question like nicely. Because no. okay. um, I don't think that... The indication is because the believer is praying that, that that is all of a sudden a disability on the non-believer's end, right? Like Mikey, would you go as far to say not to put like to put you on the spot? <laughs> would you say that non-believer? Would you say the non-believer cannot love? Yeah. So I, I would say I was just gonna say that. Okay. I think um, when you look at like humanitarian, so it's like uh, someone asked me like, you know, I'm not Christian. And, uh, yeah. You know, I serve at you know, this humanitarian organization, mm -hmm. you know, like feed homeless people and stuff like that. Like, that, that's what I would call, like Tambi said, like common grace yeah. or like surface level love. Um, but I think... So you're, you're, you're thinking on the terms of the degree of it, but the, no, you're not the, the motivation. So, okay, if you're not a Christian, oh, okay. Okay, okay. yeah, I'm talking about the motivation. Got it, got so it. if you're not a Christian, that's good. Okay, so let's talk about the motivation why Christians forgive, right? So forgive lest you be forgiven, Yes, says the Lord. Um, and Jesus says, yes. um, forgive not just seven times, but 77 times, yeah. right? And the idea is that Jesus didn't forgive you 76 times, yes. right? You have to like one-up that. He forgave an infinite debt that was just not, so no matter, like, even if they killed my whole family, yeah. like the... The sin that I have committed against God is just on a different a different level. Yes. On a magnitude that is that makes someone killing my family look like the right. the tiniest particle, right? And so the motivation behind a sinner to love or forgive or to reconcile um, is because they have been loved by God first on a level that is just not like fathomable. the believing sinner. Yeah, the believing, believing sinner, yes. right? So when you have a non-believer who has never experienced the love of Christ, like I said, the motivation to love or forgive is only within himself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? The largest capacity. Yeah, so like, yeah. yeah, like, I mean, there's like, you know, videos on YouTube of like, you know, courtrooms where like, you know, families will forgive other people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like that is the max, the motivation behind that is 
not from a higher level of being forgiven, mm -hmm. but it's just their maximum. They're just nicer people. Like they're just, mm -hmm. you know, they just don't want to hold that grudge, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Like just so there's self righteousness in there, in there too. No, no right? yeah, just yeah. just to like yeah. build on this. That's exactly where I wanted to lead this. Is the question is not about whether the believer or unbeliever differentiates in the capacity and ability to love and forgive mm. it's actually motivation it's the source of it and so it's whether it's coming from common grace or saving grace mm -hmm. and the one who has experienced saving grace is coming from a totally different pool of forgiveness and love uh, that can only be fathomed by the believer right but it's not to say that the unbeliever cannot love and forgive yeah right richard yeah so whatever is not done for the glory of god is sin yes right? so even these humanitarian people bill gates whatever Bill Gates. Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> He's a great guy. Even though computer what he does is outwardly good, because God is <clears throat> the final arbiter, it's still sin. Yeah. Right? No matter how good it looks. Yeah. So building off of that, and based off of what Tanvi said about like that, that common grace, like still yep. being like from God, are we saying that that is the case or is not? I would say it is the case. Common grace um, enables us, even in a fallen state. By God's common grace, we are to uh, we are able to experience like what we would call like snippets or tastes yeah. of godliness within us. Yeah. Because okay. even so. the unbeliever is made in the image of God, yes. and that's why, as a Christian, I would never celebrate the death of a non-believer. I would never celebrate like abortion just because you know you know it, it rids the world of all these sinners or these like I believe the sanctity of life, um, and that's rooted in my understanding that we're made in the image of God. Yeah. Right. So there's a preciousness to that. Yeah. So with like um like eat with the non-Christian and like their like for example like love or forgiveness coming from like a selfish point of like yeah. selfish whatever it's still like that's still that's still the from, story of the Christian. That's still the story of the Christian that we have a taintedness in our character and behavior until we're fully glorified but we're sanctifying towards that yeah yeah, yeah 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 but like for like the non-christian it's just like they don't realize that that is like that is the common grace from so, god so, so some people might even some non-christians might even like like there's atheists who say like i help people because it makes me feel better like some people can recognize it they just can't help it yeah if they're just not saved i just want to add one more thing sure so I said, like, the, the, the only motivation to forgive is, you know, because God forgive. I think there's another motivation. So okay. uh, another reason to, Christian reason to, to forgive and, and to reconcile um, is in hopes that the receiver will experience the love of God. So whether that receiver is a Christian mm -hmm. sure. um, a or a non-believer, yeah. um, to extend and reflect the love mm -hmm. and forgiveness that you have experienced from Christ mm -hmm. to those around you, whether they're a believer or not, um, they can experience a glimpse of God even if they're not Christian. Yeah. And I think uh, that could also be a part of evangelism as well, right? Mm -hmm. When you're demonstrating forgiveness and uh, reconciliation to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so it, it's because God forgave you, but it's also to extend that love yes, to, yes. To, to other people. 100%. Um, last table. To add on to that. <laughs> right, we're starting, we're starting, she's starting. Please. Um, evangelism is preaching of that reconciliation. Yes. Of God's reconciling to us. Yeah, 100%. Beautiful. Anybody want to? Okay, big table here. What do you guys, what were some thoughts or questions that came up? Talked about perfect obedience. Perfect okay. Obedience. Why so? I'm curious. Why so? 
please. Richard I hear an engine. One of you, please. Richard made you. Okay. Please. One of you. Have to talk about it. You're predestined by Richard's will. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> you want to try? Anyone, please, please share with us. <laughs> okay, I think perfect obedience refers to like Jesus' life. Mm -hmm. He didn't sin. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like originally in the Garden of Eden, when Adam was put to the test, mm -hmm. um, I guess the basis of whether he passed was perfect obedience and then he failed mm -hmm. and then Jesus was the one who was able to meet that mm -hmm. yep. and so he yeah he basically satisfied God's uh, demands mm. and Richard talked about satisfaction meaning payment for debt mm. so yeah I think we talked about this perfect obedience because like it was really by this work of obedience that like all of this was accomplished. Yes, hundred mm. percent. Mm. Any yeah. other thoughts or ideas from the table? And as they asked a good question, he's like, "What's the kind of main point of this paragraph?" And then we came to the conclusion that we're like fully satisfied. Yes, I think. Um, yes, when in, in our time, because we have we've always been in like evangelical churches that are relatively good with gospel, we kind of take it for granted, right? Yeah. But this is written in 1645. Reformation was just 150 years before that. In the medieval times, this was unheard of. The idea yeah. that Christ fully satisfied. Um, for our sins, right? The Catholics yeah. taught that Christ partially satisfied. Yes. That's why there's purgatory. You need to satisfy in purgatory. You need to satisfy by Hail Marys. You need to satisfy by buying indulgence. You need to satisfy by whipping yourself. Yeah. Like there are all these um, other um, sources of satisfaction. Um, but anyone grew up in the Catholic tradition, by the way? Songdang. <laughs> what is that? That's 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 what we call church in cathedral. Cathedral is It's not Kyoe, it's Songdang. Oh, it's like a synagogue. Mm. No, 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 it's cathedral, cathedral. Cathedral. It's like Sobangido sort of. Where did that come from? Cut the recording. Ignore this man. Cut the recording right now. Ignore this man. Um, can we add one more thing to what Richard just said? What so fully fully satisfying. The wrath of God. Sure. Wait, uh, we didn't. Finish. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going down like a quarter. Yeah. Let's uh, let's speed this thing up, man. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going down. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think it, it all it all like ties up very nicely with like covenant theology. Yes. You know, the standard from the very beginning because of God's nature is always perfect obedience yeah. from Adam today. And then we pointed out that um, the standard hasn't changed. But instead of us accomplishing that perfect obedience in our own person, we lay hold of it by faith in the person of Christ. Amen. And that's and on the basis of Christ's work of satisfaction, which includes his um, positive obedience to the law and his taking upon our sins, obeying God's will to take upon our sins and pay for it. Upon that work, on the basis of that work alone, we are accepted with God. You go to have and have an inheritance. Yes. We're not back in probation. Yes. It's yes. guaranteed at that point. Mm.
Thank you. <laughs> uh, you wanted to add something or no? Yeah, so like when he said like, you know, um, through the life, death, and resurrection, God's wrath was fully satisfied. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just add like fully satisfied to the elect. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part of God's wrath in hell. Mm-hmm. So like um, in Reformed theology, it's a term called limited atonement. Oh. Uh, where definite atonement. Huh? Definite. Oh, definite atonement. Whoa, he just one upped you. Yeah. I think he did. 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 I that they came up with because yeah. of the confusion of the yeah. Yeah. It's RC's preferred term for limited mm. atonement. RC's my boy, huh? <laughs> <laughs> RC stands for Reformed Christian, by the way. Yeah, I mean, is that is that the end of your point? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, I want to end off with um, I want to end off with just a thought or two um, that I think will be valuable for you to just walk away with. Yeah, Richard hit on a really important thing, which is that the point of this paragraph is to focus on Christ's atonement being like the full satisfaction, it's fully satisfying, um, like God's justice, um, and being like that once for all atonement on our behalf, right? And again, we take it for granted, but in response to the Catholic Church, this was something that had to be stated, and had to be stated this way. But it's not made up. If you actually look through the scripture proofs, anyone look through the scripture proofs? You'll quickly realize the language of this paragraph is just simply a plagiarism of the Bible. Right? Like, they didn't really, they didn't really come up, right? They didn't really come up with most of this terminology. It's just verse-by-verse kind of rip-offs, right? They like um, chat GPT like yeah yeah <laughs> way better than chat GPT way better bro yeah it's fantastic uh, Richard brought up the Catholic Church the Catholic Church believes in things like the plenary indulgences if you know what this is it's basically an indulgence that could be a multitude of things um, things like Hail Marys you know Lord's prayers or saying Lord's prayers etc get Mary. this you literally say Hail Mary. Um, it's a, it's a prayer. It's a prayer. Here's the official Catholic. Here's the official Catholic um, definition of a one of, of a plenary indulgence. It says in most cases only one plenary indulgence may be acquired per day, um, and in most cases there is no limit on the number of partial indulgences, which is a whole other category of things. A partial indulgence, indulgence covers part of the punishment due for sins. Whoa. Like, listen to this carefully. A plenary indulgence removes all of it. Both kinds of indulgence come from the merits of Jesus, the Blessed Mother, and the saints. You can see why the divines had issues with this. Right? And so don't take for granted um, our understanding that Christ fully satisfied God. That you can do nothing to contribute to your salvation, hence do nothing to lose it, right? Amen. Th- that's a beautiful gospel to hold on to, 
Amen to you. I remember one time I went to uh, an Arab country, encountered a Muslim guy, and he was like, why are you Christian? And I said, well, why are you Muslim? And um, <laughs> I grew up here. <laughs> and so, <laughs> that was a wicked comeback, bro. Yeah. And so, you know, Muslim country, that's pretty. Well, I mean, I mean, I assume that they are all individually making a decision to be a Muslim, regardless of where they grew up. But the conversation ensued, and it got to the point where I said this, why would I give up my guarantee, my faith in Christ, his perfect obedience to, Christ, uh, to God, um, my ticket to heaven, if you will, why would I let go of that for your chance at heaven? Mm. Well, he didn't say much. He wasn't very fluent in English, but I think he got, I think he got the point. I, it's not to say... Imagine he was like full Arab. But it is not to say... It is not to say, right, that there are competing ways to heaven. There is no competitive, right? There is no competition in terms of methods or ways or paths to, to heaven's glory, right? There is only one way, and it's through the perfect obedience of Christ. Brothers and sisters, I want, I want to end off with this one final note, and then I'll pray for us and we'll conclude. A lot of you, all of you, all three tables brought up the perfect obedience of God. Um, consider this. We call this the divine irony with the elders. His perfect, perfect obedience to God's will is what qualified him to be, uh, to die on your behalf. Like, Good Friday's coming up in a month. Like, think about that. His perfect obedience, the very thing you fail at to do every single moment and day of your life, that's what qualified Jesus to die on your behalf and be. Uh, an atonement on your on your on your on your behalf for your benefit, like that is extraordinary, right? When I think about that, it's like we talk about it's unfair that God doesn't elect some. It's unfair that Jesus had to die. Uh, in my perspective, right? I mean, it's it's God's plan, so I understand that that was the only way. But um, just ponder that. I think it's a heavy thought. It's weighty to me. I like to pray. God, we thank you so much for this time. We've discussed a lot of things, and uh, perhaps some of these things are trivial. Um, at times, perhaps, just we could feel that it's not really worth our time to think about such things and ponder such things. But, God, I pray that as a community, as a church, that we're building each other up in our understanding. Not so much for the sake of boasting knowledge, but rather uh, to boast of Christ, wherever we may be found. Uh, that we would be articulate in our speech to be able to share the gospel faithfully and truthfully, that we understand Christ, uh, the mediator that he is on our behalf, uh, that he has fully satisfied you um, and reconciled us to you and unto him. And we thank you so much for that. Uh, Lord, we praise uh, the coming of your son and his the death, life, and resurrection. And um, we thank you so much. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you.